Dato, where are you? Dato? Dato? Dato, you're on fire! Dato, Dito, you found a cigarette. Well, I don't think smoking is grown up at all. Because it's very dangerous. Smoking does dreadful things to your lungs and is very bad for your heart. Well, I know I don't have one, but humans do, and I think we should set a good example. Well done, Artu. Oh, hello. You know smoking is bad for your health, and it isn't grown up at all. So please, don't smoke. Artu. Do you really think I don't have a heart? Compliance. <laughs> it's wrong, wrong movie. So I'm just, uh, I'm sorry, Interstellar. Ah, uh, well, welcome back to another late edition uh, of Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Uh, I'm here with uh, Jay Blake. I'm happy to be here. There he is. As always. <laughs> and I'm Dion Baia. It's a, late, it's a late, late night. It's a late night, yeah. We we, um, we again went to the video store. We, we all piled in my mom's um, Buick. And, uh, you know, with those big, heavy Do you remember doors. what your first video store was? Yeah, I do. It was in New Haven on Whaley Avenue. That was the one that had, when you go in, uh, no, it was a tie because it was Pathmark as well. So we'd go to... Um, so it was like in a store. Yeah. No, the first video store, uh, the first video store I went in was either at Pathmark, which was a local Northeastern uh, yeah. supermarket. And that was like, you know, in the side in the front and they just have like the boxes and we've talked about that. You look at what you want. Yeah, it had yeah. like three different maybe shelvings. You look and you bring it up to the that woman who was like smoking cigarettes all day, you know, and she'd give you the video. Or uh, this place was actually a store. And I remember walking in and up on the wall, scary as hell, was uh, your man's poster, Defcom. Uh, oh, Defcom 4. Defcom right. 4. And that scared the shit out of me. And to this day, I still haven't seen that movie. But that poster. It's a great poster. Frightened the hell out of me. Because when you'd walk out, it'd be on the window looking out. And I'd see it. And I'd be like, oh. And then it was also when you'd walk up to the counter to pay, I remember. Like the closest section, I guess, so the guy could see. But it was right in the middle. Of, it was, I guess, before the idea of putting it behind like a, a wall. Yeah. It was all dirty movies, like right <laughs> in the front. Yeah, so yeah. I'd turn around while we're paying. And I'd look at the rack right closest. And it's like, you know naked girls I'm like what the hell <laughs> why are these women naked you know so I do have a memory of my first yeah, video yeah. so and that's probably like early 80s you know yeah. Our, mine was uh, my dad got a VCR in the early 80s or whenever and do you remember that do you remember the, the like I remember the day my dad got a VCR and then the, the newest thing on the block was you can record stuff with it so he recorded me a day of like I, I recorded Sesame Street I recorded like G.I. Joe I just we hit record yeah. and we just taped whatever that, was on that let day let that go and I, when I watched that tape out so do you remember that? no it's a weird thing because like my parents were divorced so I didn't live with my dad maybe had I lived with my dad it would have been a bigger deal so I don't remember like <laughs> I don't remember like 
I don't remember going there. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it was already there. Okay. I think it was like already kind of there. Okay. Like I always kind of remember just having one. Yeah. It's like me. I remember also my grandfather bringing in the first microwave. And I was like, holy crap, it's a microwave. And of course, you know, microwaves have been around since the 70s or late yeah, 60s. Yeah. But him like, you know. They really didn't seem to take off, though, until microwaves. Like the 80s. Yeah. In yeah. terms of like in everybody's home. Yeah. It, it was it was almost still like kind of like a, a, a fancy like oven, a microwave. Yeah. I remember him putting And then you have the, uh, the, the ours had you'd open the door and inside. It had like an adapter that you plug in, almost like with a like a quarter inch. Yeah. You plug it in, and it was like a a metal. Well, I don't know what it's like. Almost like a thing you'd put in your mouth to take your temperature. Yeah. And yeah. you'd put that into your hot chocolate. Yeah, like a probe. Or yeah. Something. And then you turn it on, and you'd hit like use the probe, and it would make me my hot chocolate. You know, just warm the thing up. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, yeah. I was like, oh. That's wow. like that would be high tech for now. Because you think about it, it's actually just probably sending it's heating the shit out of that. It's almost like remember the very very old days, which I think you yeah, see in yeah. Bullet. Where it's like you, they had those weird things that kind of look like a, a quarter and has a wire running to a plug. And yeah, what you do yeah. is you just put it in your coffee, you turn it on, <laughs> it would heat the coffee up. It's like, you know, or like a, like a hot plate, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, your first video store. My first video store, which we might have talked about before, that, I don't know, maybe in somewhere else. It was a Rite Aid. A Rite Aid? Which was a, 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 a pharmacy kind of a yeah. CVS kind they of. They still story. have them here on yeah, the East yeah. Coast. I don't know if, and, but it was you'd walk in and it was like uh, all the way to the, like the left of the store as you walked in. There was this video section, and because it was like, it was like a small store, what yeah. they did was you know like if you go into like a Spencer's Gifts or whatever and you look at the posters. Oh yeah, they flip yeah, on it's those like racks. A big, it's like a big book of yeah. posters attached to the wall and it has like pages. And you try to look at the nudie ones without no one seeing. <laughs> Ooh, Cindy Crawford. So they would like cut out the box fronts and backs or whatever and put them in like a sleeve kind of thing on the wall and you would flip through it like a book and then you'd have to remember the number. But they weren't that big though. They weren't like a, a poster size. It was just like the, No, you'd have like, I don't know, four, three, oh, or three or four. On one thing. In one I book and then you on one page and then you would be like, uh, give me six, five, seven, four or whatever. Season <laughs> of the Witch. <laughs> you know, and then they would, they would hand it to you. Wow, um, and that's completely gone now. There's kids who are there's there's kids who are now who were born in like 19, well I guess the kids in 1990. But there's there could be a 15 year old listening to this cast right now, built born in 2000, who was too young to to see a video store. He was five or six when video stores went out of butt. Walking home one time on the west side, and I think I texted you when I did it. There was like an old video on New York store. City. Yeah, you found one, right? I walked right and I walked in. You and were I was crying, like, looking. Right? <laughs> This was recently. Apparently. It yeah. was like last year. Yeah, yeah, I remember this. And I texted you. I was like, dude, there's a video, there's like a, a real video, video store. store. There's still a couple. There's and if it's still there, I think we should we go should and do a cast from <laughs> there. <laughs> do a cast from But there. didn't you tell me that there was a guy who, um, you know, who, who uh, when you went in there, the owner, like, yeah, this is, you know, it's, it's, it, didn't he make it? It was like a candy. He, wasn't there some sort of niche? He did some sort oh, of Oh, like no, that like, was a different one. That was right by my house. That was right by my apartment, Video Cafe on Ninth Avenue. It was... It was a video store for the longest time, and then he kept on just trying to figure out how to like Keep that make it going. profitable, and then it became like a, a like an ice cream place slash video store, and then it ended as like a, a candy shop slash, and then the back were videos like DVDs and Blu-rays that you could rent, and then it went out of business. Now, I interesting. Um, I we guess were, we were talking about uh, the white. Lady, what's that movie? We Lady in White. Lady in White. I, that's how I purchased that when they were selling off their VHS. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. That's a movie I hadn't seen from Video Cafe. until fairly recently. Uh, 
about, I guess, uh, a month or two months uh, as of this cast posting, I was in Cleveland for the for the uh, GOP debates, and uh, you know, on our free time, we were walking around, and they have like this great little like uh, strip where like the ca House of Blues is, which I wanted to go in because Tom Waits played there, and I had a bootleg of it. And uh, on the strip, they had a lot of like cool breweries, and there was this. Uh, place and I forget the name of the damn place but it was you can go in there and there was a bar and you can eat outside as well and they serve food but they had videotapes all lined uh, the walls and they had behind the bar of uh, you know a TV with a VHS yeah, yeah. player and it had you know they had they prided themselves it looked like a, like they had sections of videos so they I don't know if it's like maybe the patronage if you're like a, a loyal customer they yeah. let you pick the video but they put stuff on so it's so f niche how funny that you know the first night we ate outside and we're like looking and what's on and it was like con air and we're like they're playing con air <laughs> you know they're like th the next night we went and they were playing like say like temple of doom and we're like temple of doom's on so and then then we're looking like let's see what they have so like you know so it's funny that it's almost so like uh, nostalgic for the for us our age that like all these tech guys are like looking to see what yeah, videos they have. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, they even had the two box of uh, you know God, uh, Godfather. You know, so it's it's funny. So I guess people still have a uh, you know if you can do it, there's a niche there. You know? I know. And there's still video stores. The one that me and you used to frequent in Connecticut, uh, Best Video, still it's there. Still hanging on. Yeah, yeah. But they've turned that into like a cafe. They've turned like you know how uh, Barnes and Noble have like a cafe yeah, area. Yeah. They've kind of gone that way, where you can go and like sit out and like I don't know, read a book and get a like a mocha laka, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But I think sadly, th th this 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 video store, Best Video, that used to cater specifically like to Yaleys and all that, and people who were looking for really hard to find videos, you would see it in its heyday where it had everything. Yeah. And yeah. I think when they uh, probably like in 2009, 8, 9, 10, they were making the transition completely to DVD. They sold off a lot of those VHSs. And that's a sad because there's yeah, still a lot yeah. of stuff that's on VHS that ha it's like uh, there's still stuff on vinyl that hasn't made their way to CD. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's kind of sad. But, but you brought up uh, Temple of Doom. Yeah. Uh, Temple of Doom, 1984. Now, some people summer say. Summer of 84. Yeah, some people say this is the best summer, uh, best summer ever. And uh, I've heard that come up in a lot of conversations. The I didn't best summer ever, ever, man. And I didn't realize that, that this correlates with the movie we're doing today. We're, by the way, we're doing uh, 1984's The Last Starfighter. The Last Starfighter. Uh, Fun incarnate, yes. as I like to say. Uh, directed by Nick Castle. The great Nick Castle. The great Nick Castle. We have a lot going on we'll, here. We'll, ta we'll yeah. talk about the people. So... Um, <coughs> Before, I guess prior to 84, which kind of goes back, this kind of like bookends our cast of the Towering Inferno, because in the mid-70s, before the invasion of space, from the invaders from space, you had like all those Irwin Island disaster movies. That was the biggest thing on television was disaster and freaking, uh, you know, uh, emergency and freaking Adam-12 chips and all the Irwin Island disaster films. Then 77, Star Wars drops, and so yeah, yeah. that's the best thing since sliced bread. And I think probably to our generation, you and I, I think, Arguably, we would both agree that probably for us, it's kind of like that's like uh, Tim Burton's Batman, yeah, dropping in 1989. That yeah, like we changed I mean, our lives. <coughs> we were just a little. I mean, Star Wars was huge for me. Don't get me wrong, and I grew up and loving Star Wars. But I mean, I guess blah blah blah. But we but were born seeing a culture change just it. after the first movie was made. Yeah. So we don't. We kind of didn't see this huge change of like yeah. pop culture and blockbusters and the way that the toys being marketed and. Which, by the way, there's a very good documentary that you can find that's all about. I wish I could remember the name of it. The toys. Which ones? The, the, the Star, Star Wars, Wars toys. toys. Were they um, uh, uh, what's call it ones? That not uh, I forget the name too. Miko? No, not Miko. No. Oh, uh, Kenner. Kenner. Okay. 
It's all about how the Star Wars toys kind of changed. If the I just start throwing some toy names out at you, you get it. Get some Mattel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that Mattel. Um, so, but we but we we saw the same phenomenon. You just take out Star yeah, Wars, yeah. put Batman in. That happened for us. We saw Batman in theater opening night. Oh my God! Not yeah, together, yeah. but <laughs> which would be together in spirit. Yeah, in spirit. We have, like with every other child in the world. Excuse me. So. Um, Star Wars drops, and then everybody's like, get on the bandwagon for doing space movies. And yeah, then well, suddenly then you, you had Battlestar Galactica on television, which is, uh, and then also you had Buck Rogers on television. You had uh, Disney did uh, the Black Hole, a very personal Star favorite. Star Trek the motion picture got Star Trek, made the motion because picture, of Star Wars. they were going to do, a, they were going to reboot it for television, right? And they're like, yeah. fuck it, we're going to put it into the theaters. Yeah, and then you had Star Trek, and then it, isn't that weird? You think Star Wars for having that whole resurgence of Star Trek? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I'm sure is going to anger a lot of people. <laughs> Um, and then you into the '80s, you have um, a whole slew of these freaking movies that come out that you know that are just uh, like I said. We had you had uh, those. You had um, what the hell was the other one that, that you just mentioned to me prior to this cast with the uh, um, the one in space the, uh, with with Molly Ringwald played. It was it had a very young role. Oh, Space Hunters. Yes, yeah, Space Hunters was in that. Um, what what else is there? There's, there's there's a slew of these space movies that came out at the time that people were just trying to jump on that. Battle sp- Beyond the Stars, yeah, and all kinds of stuff was. Coming so out. everyone was trying to. get And in. then of course then you had Spielberg with uh, Close Encounters, Close Encounters, and then ET, even though they didn't take place in space. It was yeah, about uh, Space Hunters Adventures in the Forbidden Zone was the one I'm trying. Yeah, I was, yeah. Uh, lost me. Then even Flight of the Navigator, which was another Disney near yeah, the yeah. end there, '85. Then you had probably even the Explorers. If we ever end know. up doing Space Hunters, you know back just before 3D became a big thing with yeah. television and everything and we were buying those bootleg blue red yes i have space hunters on that on that format in, in the blue red 3D Blake found DVD. a site where it was uh, they were selling it, it, it was weird of course in the 50s 3D was huge which is for a completely different cast and then in the 80s there was a resurgence and and uh, 3D became back in vogue for like a year, and it's funny that everything at the time there was a lot of properties that had sequels that was going to be the third yeah, sequel, yeah, like Jaws 3D, yeah, so Amityville Jaws 3D, because there was all the third movie, uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Three 3D. So they all, you know, were like, yeah, we'll jump on that niche, and then it lasted like a year. So this site had them all because they'd never been released in home video form on 3D, only in 2D. So this site we found had the 3D concept. You just had to buy the glasses along with the 50s yeah, yeah. movie. So that's great. Uh, yeah. But we're getting way off track. But so I'm so just saying, we have to do Space Hunters. We, so we should do it in 3D, in 3D <laughs> as, it, as, you, as we originally saw it in the theater. Uh, so you have you have all these freaking space movies coming out. And then, like you said, it's the summer of 84. And in the summer of 84, you have a colossal yeah. amount. This is why they call it the best summer of all time for movies. You had Gremlins. You had Ghostbusters. You had Karate Kid. You had uh, Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom. You had Red Dawn. You even had Purple Rain, Purple which was Rain. bringing in uh, huge numbers as well for their songs. So through all these, you have this little movie called The Last Starfighter come this out. Tiny little movie. This <laughs> tiny, tiny little movie <laughs> that was pushing the boundaries of special effects. And and this then this is gets into a two-edged sword with you and I because um, you know you could also say this ushered in the whole. Uh, movement. I mean, you you can't really necessarily blame this movie particularly because if it wasn't going to be this movie, it would be another movie. Yeah, but yeah. they ushered in the CGI effect, you know, yeah. uh, which was prior. I think Westworld. I hear might have been the first movie to use um, computer generated effects to a certain extent. And then Black Hole did it with the opening credit sequence, and then you have this movie, Tron. Then you have Tron, 
and then you have young. Boy. Then you have what's when's young Sherlock? Eighty five, oh, right? Sherlock, yeah. That's eighty five. I guess that's really thought of as being like the real pioneer. Maybe because the first character, I think. But you had Tron. But you had Tron, and you had this movie. Well, Tron's it. very like it's it's like Black Hole, where it's very basic. Black Hole, they just had like a a three D image of the space, uh, the yeah. the black hole, and for the opening credits, and like Tron, it's very like very. Basic well, with well it's stylized because yeah. it's within a video game. This is really the first movie that tries to do, like, uh, photorealistic yeah, uh, CGI effects. So you're, like, instead of using, like, uh, like props and stuff like that, you're actually using, like, freaking... Um, like a spaceship. Yeah, their models. So the car. Yeah, this, this um, company e- called Digital Productions, they used a Craig XMP supercomputer, and they created 27 minutes of footage that was used in this film. So, uh, but I think you need to also now set the table because you so many times have me set the table and <laughs> I make a messy job because I get the pepper and salt everywhere. And then, you, you know, you're, you, you don't say anything. Blake's so kind, but then he's, he's just, he's wiping it off and he's, he can tell cause he gets moody over there and you know, I need you to set the table between the correlation of who Nick Castle is. And how the hell John Carpenter has anything to do the, with this? this the know? correlations between because I was explaining this to my wife <laughs> when when I was telling her that I was leaving her yet again to go watch a movie with you, <laughs> <laughs> and I told her to start to ask questions. Yeah, I was like, shut up, shut up. You don't need to know nothing. Shut up. You know the front of my hand. I have to introduce you to the, introduce you to the back. That's not true. I know that's that's horrible. But you know, I was trying to give her the correlation of Halloween. Yeah, and she's like, what? And I was like, just the, just let just let me go. There's a lot of uh, correlation between not just John Carpenter. Yeah. But Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Uh, <laughs> so we'll get right into it. Nick Castle went yeah. to s- college, went to film school with John Carpenter. Yeah. And Tommy Lee Wallace. Those guys are, those three guys are the Coupe de Villes, which is a, yeah, which is a well-known band, band for yeah. For all those John movie Carpenter key. aficionados <laughs> out there. Uh, and they, 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 I guess they're showcased pretty much um, to their fullest in what, The Fog, maybe? Uh, they, the three... It became uh, Coupe de Bills was originally just like the three of them goofing out around and playing music at the rap parties. Okay, of the movies they were Much making. Much like it sounds like Danny Elfman's band. Uh, what's the name of that band from uh, Back to School? Oh yeah, yeah. I forget the name of that darn band that they're in there. So anyway, but, but anyway, so and then they really come to full their full fruition is that they did a music video for the end theme song for Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. And he which our man here right Nick Castle does he sing the vocals? He sings like him and Carpenter. Carpenter does like the if you feel <laughs> <laughs> you know and then the high voice is Nick Castle. Yeah. And Nick Castle also Which is a oh, by the way uh, uh, we did a podcast on Big Trouble in China. Big so Trouble in Little China. So check that's that what I mean there's a out. lot of connection. Check the check out Big Trouble in Little China podcast. Um but Nick Castle's best known for playing the shape in Halloween. Yeah, he plays the actor that is under the William Shatner mask in, uh, in they, Halloween. They do have an actor that when they reveal what he looks like, it's not Nick Castle. Much like else. the poor, what's his face from Darth Vader? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's his name? Yeah, uh, Prowse. Yeah. David Prowse. Yeah. I'm not going to play him even. For, you're taking my voice <laughs> away and you're going to make me play. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. But every, every other shot of him walking around, standing there, for some reason they thought he had, like, a good walk. Which he does. And so they cast him, their buddy, and also because he was a buddy and a filmmaker, that they could probably then, Hang you know, like, abuse him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, he's not going to complain about long hours yeah. and whatnot. So we have that connection. Now, if we jump forward to Halloween 2. Yes. 
Halloween success that make Halloween 2 in the early 80s. Lance Guest, who plays the lead in this movie, Alex Rogan, yes. is the male lead, minus maybe Don Pleasance, in yeah. Halloween 2. He's the one, like I guess the audiences would identify with, like the young kids. Yeah, And he, he's young, right? Because he's 23 when he did Last Starfighter, so in Halloween 2 he must be, what, like 21? He's 20? like the love interest for Jamie Lee Curtis's yeah. character, Laurie Strode. Oh, so that, that would make him suitable to that age. Yeah, age. so there we have that connection. We have a Halloween 2 connection. Now, Halloween 3 connection is Dan O'Hurley, who Jesus. plays uh, yeah, Colonel he, Cochran. Yeah, he, <laughs> in, 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 um, in Season of the Witch, he plays uh, Craig here. And he G-R-I-G. plays G-R-I-G. Yeah, he plays Grig, who's underneath a bunch of makeup. Unrecognizable. One of the more memorable characters yeah. of this movie. So there we have a span of three Halloween movies being kind of represented in this movie. Now, if you take Ron Cobb, who was the production designer of this movie, yeah. Who, looking at his credits, he's like sleepover movie like royalty. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, because he <clears throat> he did he production design of like this and Conan, Alien, and Leviathan, and then he was on art design for yeah. Star Wars, Alien, Aliens, Abyss, Total Recall, Leviathan, Space Truckers. He even did truckers. he even did art design for Firefly, the TV show. Wow, um, but. <laughs> but one of his very first projects was doing special effects for John Carpenter and Dan O'Banion on Dark Star. Okay. And yeah. that's how Nick Castle knew him. Uh, Which was their, 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 not a student film, but it was something. Dark Star was like a student film that got uh, extended to be feature length to be John Carpenter's first full-length feature. And it won some sort of Academy Award, or no? Is that the one? I always get No, no. Uh, <clears throat> there was a short that Carpenter worked on with a bunch of people that won an, like, a, oh, okay. like a student Academy Award. But Dark Star was, it's considered Carpenter's first full-length feature. There's a little bit of a... Debate. Yeah, about Dan O'Banion got screwed. The okay. carpenter kind of screwed him over. I don't know the, you know, that's that's for another cast. And Dan O'Banion is kind of royalty as yeah. well. But that's for a different <laughs> cast as well, as well. He's best known for co-writing uh, Alien. Yeah. Um, so that's there's all these people. Uh, there's all this carpenter connection going on. And also Castle didn't he didn't he write or co-write um, Escape from New York? He as well? might have. Yeah, he might I have. He, he might have created Snake Plissken. Yeah. With. Uh, which is 82, Deborah Hill right? 82? Maybe or 81. It's like 81, I think. Okay. And now. That's a, huge, too. And then another connection for us is uh, Catherine Mary Stewart for Saturday Night Movie Sleepover's yeah, connection. Yeah, so we have a connection here because <laughs> of her, because she's in Weekend at Bernie's, which we covered. Uh, she's only had like about, I don't know, she's not in that many films back then, and we've done almost half of her catalog. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but <laughs> no, no. she's in Weekend at Bernie's. Uh, then we like, yeah. So we have uh, Hurley He, who was in Season of the Witch, yeah, which we did a cast. Great, uh, you know. Listen, that's an early cast for us. Yeah, Big Trouble in Little China. We also did an episode on Big Trouble in Little China. Weekend at Bernie's. We did an episode. Yeah, so we're we're, we're hitting. It's hitting all the stops. So they must have known that we were going to be having this <laughs> this phenomenon drop. It was, no, it not was being all, that pretentious. It was part of their grand scheme. <laughs> yeah. So and then um, I guess you 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 bring in uh, Jonathan Butel. Who is not uh, related? Yeah, uh, Bet- Betuel. Betuel. See, I always butcher um, uh, things. He, w- he wrote this. Uh, he also wrote and directed my science project. Nice. And he, I think, also Theodore Rex. Yes, like he did with Whoopi Goldberg. 
And then yeah. he was he produced a bunch of episodes for Freddy's Nightmares, which was like a that's the nineties like an anthology type horror series in the nineties, short lived. Which also, unlike the Friday the Thirteenth show that only took the name from Jason Voorhees franchise, Freddy they had uh, weren't they wraparounds of actually yeah, Robert Freddy England, like, was like the intros and outros keeper yeah, okay. of that show. Um, to my recollection, that show is known mostly for the fact that like. Brad Pitt was in an episode. You know, it's one of those shows where, like, everybody before they were stars That's like um, an episode of Friends. Are You Afraid of the Dark has a lot of, yeah, like, yeah. early people with the Nickelodeon show. But um, b- uh, how are you saying? Butyl? Be- I think it's Betuel. Betuel? Betuel. Yeah, he was uh, a, a New York advertising copywriter in the in this, I guess, the late 70s, early 80s. And he uh, on his break, he'd go over and play arcade games. And his wife at the time was, uh, working, was in New York's uh, NYU's film school. And he had already written a few novels. Uh, he wrote uh, a 1975 book called The, the Dog Fighter, which uh, evidently is uh, pretty well known. And he came up with this idea while pl- uh, the idea of while playing like uh, uh, military vehicle shooter games like Mission Command and Battle Zone to this to be kind of like an entry into yeah, yeah. writing this last Starfighter. Yeah, well, I think it's that's that's like another table that needs to be set a little bit, and I don't I don't necessarily think you and I are the best ones to do it, but you have to do have to put in this perspective. Like now, okay, you got the the you know the Xboxes and the oh. Playstations and stuff. There's but, a but circle circa you know the early eighties, like yeah. video games, as primitive as they are to look at now. Yeah. Were f- like revolutionary. <laughs> yeah, there's a great, great book out there which I'll, which I'll put a link to uh, at the bottom of our cast here uh, about Super Mario Brothers, and I think it's called Super Mario, and it's basically about the evolution of Super Mario and Nintendo. But to set the table, of that book they go and they give you a whole history from going in the 70s from Pong up. Yeah, and it's it's pretty crazy to think about the technology that went from like pinball machines, and then when they got into Pong. And then you get get into like uh, arcade consoles, and then you get into like home uh, home video game systems. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that book does it beautifully. Uh, some people complain that it that it, it's it's written poorly, but I don't. You know, come on, I don't knock people for that. And, yeah, yeah. And it, it has that great history, and it and it talks about like we're saying here, where it's like you know in the late seventies when these kind of uh, very basic three uh, D kind of games came out, three dimensional stuff. It was amazing. Well, here's the thing. I mean, even. I mean that this is like, like that wasn't even really happening yet. Yeah. Like what's going on, graphically, graphic wise in the game in this movie. Yeah. Is like they're trying to project where movies are gonna, where video games are gonna go. So like th- what the, the the game that Alex is playing in this movie is like it's called real, Starfighter. Is really yeah. It's like really. Ahead of its time, you know, like yeah, like they created those graphics for yeah, specifically the, for the movie. For the movie, so they were trying to make it kind of futuristic yeah. and like really cutting edge. And that I kind mean, of now it looks really primitive, but it at lends the time, itself to it being we find out being a foreign, yeah, yeah. you know, entity in itself. Um, recruiting to it, but in terms of like you know, for all the kids out there, you know, like now you play with people all around the world via the internet, you know, playing on your game set. But you used to, if you wanted to be social with video gaming, you would actually go to an arcade and you would play uh, video games. And it was like a big deal. There's been some great documentaries that capture like that culture, like King of Kong. King of Kong is great, yeah. um, it's a it's a really interesting time. I mean, it wasn't like and it was of, course, sh- of course I was into like playing video games and stuff, but it wasn't something that it was like 
I was obsessed with, but it's a really fascinating time in like pop culture to like really he- hear about because it was really cutting edge and and that's what you know you know that's what kind of pushed technology in all other ways too yeah not and just it, video games and it also uh, they were huge money makers as well these machines because people were just dropping quarters in at a time yeah. you know and not only would you have these systems show up um, I mean like they talk about Super Mario brother or Super Mario first made his first appearance in Donkey Kong and he made his first appearance in a failed video game. They they did this um, ja- this Japanese company, which names escapes me. It's all in this book. They sent over a, a, a console. The console was failing, and they're like, "Listen, we have about fifteen hundred of these consoles sitting in a warehouse in uh, in Jersey." And he's talking to the Japanese company. He's like, "Listen, we can either just take a dive and eat all the money." Or you can send over some new motherboards and some new graphics, and we can kind of reinvent the thing. And that's how freaking Donkey Kong was invented. Yeah, they yeah. sent, I don't know how many motherboards over, and this guy who was the um, American rep for the company and his wife spent like a weekend just changing out motherboards and putting up new graphics. And they put the these, say, 1,500 games out of 2,000 of these consoles, and it became such a phenomenon that those particular, if you can find an original converted yeah, yeah. Uh, standing arcade console of uh, Donkey Kong, it's worth like, you know, shitloads of money. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, so you wouldn't just go to even arcades. You can go to like your local pizzeria. So if you're in a town yeah, like yeah. like uh, Alex's where he's just in a trailer park, you know, that was a huge moneymaker too if you just go to the local deli or the local whatever and then they have, say, uh, your Pac-Man, or holy shit, or your, yeah. you know, your Q-Bird or whatever the hell was there, you know? So Yeah, like the, we used to go to a restaurant. My dad... We would go to a restaurant, and I think it was called like Montana's or something. Yeah, and they had the Star Wars game by the bar. Yeah, well, and so we would go and we'd eat dinner, and or while we were waiting for the food to come, me and my brother would start putting in quarters. And to this day, I love like that game. It's just like green lines. <laughs> It's so you know, graphic wise. People just don't understand how uh, you know you have to. I think one of the big things of this cast is we try to emphasize that you really have to put on your like nostalgic cap and try to be a mature enough and educated enough uh, audience member to really try to put yourself in the situations of the old times so you could see where we're coming from because it's easy to be critical about a movie from 20 30 years ago yeah and say oh that's so silly or that's stupid now but you you have to that's like Monday morning quarterbacking. You yeah, have to yeah. actually put yourself in the situation of the audience or you know the patron of the time. And then, eighties roll around. Video games are huge. So then, you know, Hollywood's like, okay, we got Tron. That's video game 82. related. Flynn owns. Which didn't a, really do owns on arcade. Which really didn't do really well. So this to do this movie uh, to to uh, to turn last Starfighter into a video game yeah. as kind of a movie that was kind of because as as much as we've just talked about how big this phenomenon was. There were some people out there, you know, there always are, who thought the phenomenon was going to be just a fad. And they didn't know that video games, who knows, by the end of the 80s, the video games could have just died. So it was a big gamble to do a movie about this. Another great uh, video game movie is, uh, I don't know if you've ever... Slip in nightmares. Nightmares. Yes. <laughs> the, yes. The anthology. Emilio Estevez. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. The uh, there's a Emilio Estevez an anthology movie that tells uh, a few s- different stories. What year is that now? Oh, See, I that's that's know. interesting in the annals of video gaming. But one of the we'll story, on one it. of the stories stars Emilio Estevez. And yeah. That one is video game, and related. that's almost Arcade like a, game related. That's a that's a horror movie too, and then. Uh, 
And then you, you I don't know if it, it, it kind of like culminates with the, what's the Fred Savage, the wizard? The movie oh, that like, was a little bit later because that was a lot about Nintendo yeah, specifically. But, but that's and, what I wonder if it culminates, glove. the Power Glove, and I think it was Super Mario Brothers, either two or three that premiered in that movie. 83. 83. So there so you go. So it's, before this. So it's a year after Tron, a year before this. So gaming is there in the in the back culture. And I, again, recommend this book, the Super Mario Brothers book. It's a quick read, and it really just gets you to speed on the whole history of uh, gaming from, like we're saying, either home video consoles or this okay so this movie yeah so we got uh, uh a lot of people in it we got a lot of people in it but the we set this we set this set the stage of uh the starlight star bright trailer park trailer park which is interesting because the the original the, it was originally written to be like in suburbia yeah, but then yeah. great when they brought and, it, and it's funny how you think about um people who are desperately trying to sell scripts this kid wrote, this, wrote the script. This guy, this kid, this guy. He <laughs> sold it in two weeks. Yeah, to, yeah. And, and, you know, great for him. And then when Nick Castle got brought aboard and some other people. So, yeah, like Lorimer Entertainment or whatever. Yeah. They ended up buying the script, and then they hire Nick Castle to kind of come in and rework the script. Now, he had done them. Tag, which I've never seen, yeah. but I hear is pretty good. And that was kind of like a freaky kind of a movie itself. Yeah. So he, was, he had a little street cred at the time. Yeah, and he also like, he also talks about how, like, Doing these kinds of movies, he went to film school, and oddly enough, like doing these kinds of like effects-driven family, and you know, like this was not what what he wanted to do. He wanted to be like the next Vincent Minnelli. Like he wanted to do like big Hollywood musicals. Really? (laughs) And he often talked. He often refers to Last Starfighter as like the theatricality of some of the performances. That's interesting you say that. stuff of being like, it's like a musical, but without the music. Okay, see now, that's f- funny you say that because we'll have to come back to that because there's a sequence in here that reminded me of a musical, and I was going to bring that up, but okay. And um, so they reworked the script so that instead, th- it was originally set in suburbia, but they thought it would be harken back too much to Spielberg's yeah, yeah. Close Encounters. They're really like trying e. to... Oh, E.T.'s another movie. There you go. That yeah. was the off that space kind of a, a thing. Yeah, uh, Nick Castle really wanted to make separate this movie as much as he could from uh, what Spielberg was doing, and of course Star Wars. So he would go through the script, and he's like, "Okay, S- suburbia is such a big Spielberg yeah. thing, you know. Like, let's try to get away from that feel. Like, what else can we do?" And they're like the. The trailer park is like it's a really untapped. Great device. It's like an untapped the, uh, thing. The only thing, I, other thing I can think of that is like a trailer park thing is, it's. I think it's. It might be the very first episode of Hitchcock Presents, which is like the one, one of the few that he actually directed. Mm. That takes place in a trailer. Park. Aside from that, that's that's thirty years. And before. it's like it feels or a lot 20. like it feels very similar to me. Like in terms of like there is a very like this microcosm, this little community. Well, he does it so great. I mean, not to not to get into that. I guess also before we get into that, um, the the screenwriter who who wrote it, the writer also was reading at the time T. H. White's nineteen fifty eight novel, The Once and Future King, which is all about uh, the ascension of King Arthur. And I think that does play a huge role here, where you have that kind of idea where it's like the sword and the stone idea, yeah. you know, because they even mention it like Excalibur in it yeah, at one yeah. point in this film, and it does have that like being worthy, yeah, of him. It, and it's, I mean, there's a, that's a plot device you've seen a lot of movies, even like Luke Skywalker, you know, except Luke Skywalker is kind of a royalty, which this kid really isn't. The yeah. this uh, Alex Rogan, you know, but it's him, you know, the the sword and the stone being the video game and him being able to pull out Excalibur, yeah. Eka, uh, Ala ring the win the game. So, but 
th like you're saying to this community, it, it very much, I heard someone else describe it, and I think it's so true that this is very much like a Frank Capra kind of a community, which like I love. I, I live in my head in a Frank Capra kind of world where everyone knows each other very much like uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Hey, you know, Bert the Cop, you know, or any the cab driver. Yeah. And it's in the opening sequence to this, and this is where I get to your musical here, there's the opening shot, which I think is so well done. Not the opening shot, but the opening thing where you, you're introduced to um, Catherine Mary Stewart, where mm -hmm. she's walking around, and you, one, familiarize yourself with the setting, you familiarize yourself with her, you familiarize yourself with all the characters, and then there's uh, great uh, ways they just throw exposition in yeah. of her just being, and it's such a great, it's, it looks like it's one shot, but it very much reminds me, because I think she's carrying like a, um, maybe some laundry in a laundry basket or she's carrying something and I thought it's so much like Belle from Beauty and the Beast <laughs> yeah, you know at the yeah. beginning minus like you said minus the, the singing but it's her like hello good day how <laughs> is your family and then like you know I need six eggs and so it's like her interacting with the and you see everyone's lovable there's not really much assholes in there yeah. so it really like you said brings you together like it's this really lovable niche community that you know at the end of the day everyone's gonna like really stick up and help each other which yeah. they end up doing you know they yeah they're definitely it's like that Frank Capper world a surrogate family yeah kind of like the granny is not Alex's grandmother but she's called she's granny, granny yeah. you know and like maybe Alex's mom is like the kind of the mom of the and then they got the the old black guy that owns the shop yeah. which is kind of referring to with like the the arcade game he there's like this uh, like a convenience store or something at, at street level and behind the convenience store is the video game yeah. of Last Starfighter. And then you go down this hill. Or Starfighter. And, uh, yeah, Last Starfighter. And then uh, you go down this hill, and that's where the community is. Um, I think it's in California, so it's very, like, valleys. I don't even, it doesn't even really say, but, yeah, it's yeah, clearly right. shot there. Um, I think, basically, the, 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 the gist of the story, you were talking about, like, the... Um, like the King Arthur aspect of it. There's this video game and Alex plays this video game in his spare time. He's a, he's a teenager, uh, he's a bright kid boy next door. Uh, Catherine, Mary Stewart's the girl next door, their boyfriend and girlfriend. They both live in this trailer park. He helps out around the, the camp, like helping the guy who kind of uh, runs the camp, like put up the, the you know, doing like, yeah. you know, doing like, uh, you could tell he's kind of brainy. Yeah, he's helping and stuff. One girl loses her cable and he's going to help her get the t cable back. And like so many, like you, we talked about Nick Castle trying to pull away from George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, but he acknowledges that it's really hard because they did it so well. Like they picked the perfect devices. And so we have a kid that's very much like Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And very much like Dorothy from the wizard of Oz. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like he, he lives in this very tiny little community and he wants nothing more, but to break out. Uh, in this case, Alex, he wants to go away to college um, he, he's like, you know, even maybe not the, in the best way, kind of puts down his friends, you know, like, I'm not going to, well, I'm not going to stay here. Like, very, I'm getting out of this shit. It's hole. very like, <laughs> it's like anti, like Brat Pack 80s, where it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. he's, he's doesn't have the money or whatever. So yeah, he's the big dreamer yeah. and he's going to get out of this, you know, one, his room is lined with like posters of beaches and like yeah. the Eiffel Tower. He's going to like get out of this one stoplight town and he's going to like really make it. And he's, and he's, he's not, he doesn't want to go to city college. He wants to go to like the, 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 
the tech college so he can get a degree and you know maybe go to space because remember he's looking at his mobile of the the, 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 the galaxy or the nine planets yeah yeah you so know? he's he's this guy who's got dreams he's he, a but he's got responsibility here at home yeah so he, like he can't really go off to play with his friends like luke can't go you yeah. know hang out with the Aww. bigs and <laughs> you know like you gotta help your own you gotta help uncle owen emperor like yeah. you gotta go help him he's gotta go pick out a new droid you know in this case he's gotta help out around the community he's gotta help put up the that tv antenna he's gonna take all day he's gotta help with this yeah. he wants to help with that he he's so ingrained there's a very i think a very great subtle scene where he's he kind of like he's done his chores and he goes in his room and he sits down and he's like dreaming about leaving and he hears the conversations going on outside through the open window and like he's lipping them you know like he's so ingrained into this community that even like the off conversations that his neighbors have they've had them a million times he knows them by heart and his one like escape is this video game yeah, that's on, t- you know, up by the store. And he happens, you know, th- this is like his one thing that he gets to do. He gets to forget about kind of like life for a little bit. And he plays this video game and he's good at it. Yeah, and he's in, and he's getting very close. And it's funny, he's so good that like the town knows that he's good. Yeah, like his... Like, <laughs> That's like one of my favorite things in this. Like he's gonna, you know, he's talking to like uh, his girlfriend Maggie, played by Catherine Mary Stewart, and she's like, "Oh my god, you're gonna beat the high score!" And like, and then it's, it, like, it's nighttime as well. It's yeah, like, it's like, and it goes through like the community, and it's like, oh, "I was just gonna beat the high score." I was gonna beat the. Everyone comes running. And the whole, the whole, the whole trailer park comes running up to watch him do and it. And it's clearly like the joke is too. Some of the ladies don't even know what they're like. What's a you know? What's a high school? What's a starch? What's a galaxy invader? You know, um, it's. It's it is cheesy, but it's so great. But it's you know, you know it's but the, it's it's beautiful. It's done so <laughs> well, though. He really makes it. He makes it grander, even down to the music. It's like it's it's grander. He really, Castle, I think, really utilized the budget uh, for what they had. They ended up, um, I think, having like a like a fourteen million dollar. I forget what the budget is, but and it he uses like every penny of it, to, yeah, you yeah. know, to, to, to the great shot composition, to just the, the score. I mean, it's very much like also, it's like, it, r- it reminds me of, like the beginning of Don or Superman, yeah, yeah. you know, where you're like, you know, you're in the, the small town and all that. So I think he, he it, it, it's, it's much grander than you think. Yeah. But also this movie does have these, om- these moments of like schmaltz, you know? Yeah. But it, they're so great. Like they're so fun. And even like he acknowledges, like it's, it's like classic like B movie stuff, you know, like he's like, you know, are you sure like the action moments and the maybe the effects will hold up and who knows and and the star face fighting, all that is great and awesome stuff, but like it's this stuff, this little community, they're all rooting him on all these little moments between him and his brother, yada yada yada. Those are the things that like you that's those are the moments that make you watch this movie over and over again. Fifteen million dollar budget, I wasn't that far off. And it's and I like the term that, that I I when I read stuff about this, the joystick jockey. Yeah. That's what he is. He's a joystick jockey at the time. People who would just go in and get callous thumbs. And I'm sure there was tons of people all over, very much like you said, the King of Kong, the, yeah. the, the, which is that the rivalry in that game where people who were beating like Pac-Man and stuff, that there was people who would just go into a, a place with a shitload of quarters, a fistful of quarters, you know, <laughs> and they yeah, would yeah. just, just the whole day they were going to beat that high score. And it's really great how 
I would think at the time the sentiment of people's parents, like, why are you wasting your money? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as opposed to like, the complete opposite. You're right. The polar opposite in this community, they're like, they're, they're, they're you know, pushing them on. Yeah, you yeah, can do yeah. it. You can do it. And he ends up doing it. And th- there's also a very subtle thing never gets explained. The mother, she's out actually at work when this is happening. Yeah, she's working like two shifts at the diner as because, a waitress. like, there's no dad. Yeah. We see later a picture. Yeah, I thought that was him. And, if, so you're, it, and he's kind of like... Of a dad. Well, you know, it also kind of goes back to that idea of the one, the one street town where it's almost like... What's the name of that, that show? Alice, even in this... You know, it's like where the woman shows up there. Maybe who, who knows how she got there. And then she can't leave. And she becomes, say, a waitress at like a, a truck stop or a diner. She's trying to save the get out. It's very much like there's a Tom Waits song called Invitation to the Blues, which is about that. And, you know, yeah. where it's like, uh, you know, she may she's trying to get out, but she may never be able to get out. And then who knows? The dad could have been just someone who came in, you know, had a night with the waitress and then left again. Yeah. And then now he's there. And he's it, now his her dreams are now on him. Alex wants to now get up and yeah. leave. I mean, you in know? this case, he, we, we later at the end of the movie, towards the end of the movie, see a family photo. We see a dad there. I think maybe we're supposed to assume that he passed away. Yeah, something happened tragically. And that him. he's now. And that's also part of it is that Alex is the man of the house. Yeah, and he must. But it's never really. It's great because it's never. There's no exposition about it. It's never really explained. Yeah. But you kind of get it. And that, you know, it's so easy to, like, overkill that kind of stuff. Now, if we advance the plot forward, Alex beats the high score of this game. Yeah. Now, what nobody realizes is that it's a test. It's yeah. a flight simulation test. Built a, a game, this uh, Robert Preston. Yeah, we, the great Robert Preston play uh, Centuria. Centauri. Centauri. Yes, I, I, I can't pronounce anything nowadays. Uh <laughs> Centauri, he comes. Robert Preston, great actor, great role in this movie. He, he, they kind of, I guess, they asked him another great. They asked him to do the role, thinking he wouldn't accept, and he gladly accepted again, which is great for him because at the time, who'd want to do some wacky uh, video game movie that could be a passing fad? But he did it. Uh, so they kind of model his character off like the showman of a movie, the Music Man that he was in in 1960, yeah. a musical. And I think he he blows the, the. He's great in it. Yeah, I mean they really they were, you know they wanted to cast they were this character is very much like a snake oil salesman. Yeah, he, I mean he also like you find out like he doesn't really have. He doesn't really care about the war. He's like in it, kind of in it to make money. Yeah, he's he, kind of like the traveling salesman. He's like, here, I'm gonna, you know, he he's gonna, he's almost like the military recruiter or whatever. But he, evidently, was the third party who was, <laughs> who was, uh, designed the game. And he's that's what he's saying. Like, do you know how long it took me to, you know, to, to yeah. the century? And he f- refers to himself as centurion, which is funny. Always in the first person. So he uh, he comes in and he comes. He he shows up because he's in, he's looking for Alex. And this is what I want to say to you. Isn't he? His performance very much like a Dare McGavin. Can't you see the, the over-the-top, <laughs> you know, Dare McGavin kind of like a role? And, and if you people don't know who Dare McGavin, you people, if you don't know who Dare McGavin you is, uh, you have two huge Dare McGavin fans in the room right here who, who love him from Kolchak, the Night Stalker, and, of course, I think a lot of people know him from Christmas Story. You know, Yeah, Man with the Golden Arm. Yeah, Man with the Golden Arm. He's uh, great in that. You know, totally different kind uh, of arm. Dead Heat. You know, he's, he's all over the freaking place. But he's very much of like the over-the-top, like, you know. You know but it, it's, it seems like it's overacting, but I think it's perfectly suitable for the role. And I think it's genius for Robert Preston. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about this movie. Its tone is like... Its tone is not as serious as Star Wars, you know. It's it's there's just like this there's this bit of like whimsy, but it plays to it because when it needs to be serious, it's quite serious, and it gets into our 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 weird dilemma of the '80s, 
where there's a lot of shit that's in this movie that's terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it's it's one of the things when I remember seeing it uh, again when this movie came out, it kind of flopped in the theaters in the summer of '84. It did, it did okay. It, it made because it didn't cost much. Yeah, it cost four, uh, fifteen million to make, and it ended up being a financial success because it grossed twenty eight million. And it was well reviewed, but yes. it wasn't like this huge blockbuster. So it was only like in the theaters for like a month. But because of home video and because of HBO, which played the crap out of it, yeah. that's how I saw it. Maybe that's how you saw it. Yeah. So it's like it had this second life, much like a lot of flops that become cult classics do. So um, watching it growing up, I specifically remember very frightening scenes from this. Yeah. And I guess it's stuff to get into, but it's just like stuff that's like, you know, maybe this is a little too serious for a kid to be watching, you know. But Preston comes in and Preston's like, you know, hey, I'm looking for the, the, the guy who beat the game. And Alex is like, hey, that's me. And he has a very cool DeLorean-esque kind of car with the gold wing doors. Yeah, yeah. You know, and There's he's, no stranger danger. Alex just gets in this car. This yeah, and then he, he, he shakes hands with this other, this other person you can't see in the car. He gets zapped. The person gets out. And then that's also a little weird because we learn that that turns out to be this thing called beta. Or we can call it, it's a beta unit, but we can call it the Betamax. You know, because yeah. it's a copy of, uh, <laughs> of yeah. Alex. And... I guess when he shakes his hand, he be, he, be, he, he transfers like DNA yeah, and every, the, to Alex. But I would think that that would, should not take as long as it does because later on in the next scene when everybody's going to like, hey, Alex, you got to get out of bed and he's supposedly not feeling well because he's under the covers. One of the first or second frightening things you see is everyone, everyone leaves the room, the covers come undone and he's like in uh, full f- uh, like Philip Kaufman-esque invasion of the body snatchers <laughs> transformation, which is yeah, quite yeah. terrifying. It is, it is really creepy. You know, so you would think that th- that would have already happened by the time, you know, because what happens if he's caught? How long has it taken, like 12 hours for him to turn into freaking, you know, you think it would take like... Well, you don't know what time of day, what night, how, what time. True. It could have, I mean, it could be like six. Yeah, six in the morning, yeah, he's up <laughs> early. But it's like, you know, but he's... he's, he's I mean, or, you know, Alex could have went with Centauri pretty late in the evening, you know. Yeah. That's true. So, so uh, he gets replaced by this Beta Max unit, Beta Beta unit, and he just gets gets in the car with uh, with Mister Preston Centauri. 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 Thank you. No, I can't say that. And they fly off. They have a little great scene where they're um, where they're driving really fast. And roads. We don't. We don't, <laughs> we don't need, need roads. roads. And there's a lot of fun things like they pass like a a, 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 a police cruiser with two guys in it, and they look at the there's who's napping. And it's 303 on their speed radar, you know. And then finally he's like, look out. And they go through a tunnel, which is very much like Back to the Future 2. Yeah, too, very Back to the Future 2. You know, yeah. and then there's, for some reason, there's a roadblock. No one knows that until going into the tunnel. And then they fly up. And then we get our first kind of like uh, entree into like the special effects of the movie, the CGI. Yeah. Like uh, the, the car turns into a You know, a they built machine. this car um, for practical purposes. And then, but when it flies, it becomes a, it becomes a CGI cartoon. Um, basically what we find out plot wise is that, uh, the game is a test. It's the sword and the stone, as you kind of brought up, because there, there is an intergalactic war going on Who knew? and they're trying to enlist, uh, <laughs> Starfighters to, and, uh, to participate in this war. It's I guess it goes to like we're saying how like Preston's kind of the uh, the snake oil salesman because when when we end up meeting uh, what's his face um, uh, Dan O'Hurley O'Hurley he's yeah O'Hurley. Uh, Grig uh, he's like where are you from because because when when Alex it's very funny it's you see that plot device used a lot when he gets to the to the galactic yeah. base he doesn't know what's going on so he he goes to try to talk to um to uh, Centauri. Centauri and he's like he's like wait a minute and then he goes to ask Greg what's going on and Greg's like well where are you from he's like Earth he's like Earth 
He's like, Earth isn't supposed to be, you know, uh, talked to until they short their shit out because they're so, like, you know, maybe yeah, yeah. not as evolved yet. But Robert Preston still put a video game thing down there anyway. You know, he's like, well, yeah, we yeah. just, we need, we need bodies, you know. Well, so there is a scene where, like, they're, she's trying to get paid. Yeah. For, like, enlisting Alex, I guess. And they're, then they're saying, like, no, because why would you go to Earth? Because Earth isn't as developed yet. So they shouldn't even be involved in this. He's yeah. like, it doesn't matter. He beat the game. <laughs> you know, yeah, don't you yeah. know how hard it was to make the game and blah, blah, blah. And he did it all. So he's far and beyond so anyone else. So it's like a weird, like, draft system, you know? Like, it's if you can beat this game, then you, you have whatever, like... The hand-eye coordination. Well, you know what? To run a, run a it, it, it's <laughs> actually they, they they another. Uh, I guess you can pay the force to the to the story screenwriter and to Nick Castle, because there's a lot of devices in here that really eliminate a lot of the for me like script logic that I get really pissed about in movies. So okay, so you're telling me that if this thing is a, a flight simulator and he's able to beat it, fine. But how the hell is he going to be able to fly a freaking starship? That's yeah. the biggest bunch of bullshit I uh, I ever heard. But they have a great device to get rid of that because the ship, the 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 um, the gun stars as they're called, yeah. uh, he's only gonna be the gun the gunadier. You yeah. know, there's gonna be someone else flying it. So that's brilliant. He doesn't have to worry about flying a damn thing. He yeah. just gets into it, and all he's been training is just to shoot, much like um, you know, you have Luke Skywalker doing on the side of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, yeah. So that's great. Okay, that's great. I, I never thought of that. He doesn't have to fly the fucking thing. He, he he's able to just get in there and just be the gunner, and that's such a great device. Much like again, when he gets first gets up there to the space station, they gave him a little translator device under his lapel or his collar. Another great device. Yeah, no yeah. wonder everyone's communicate like a communication translator. Yeah. Device. So. Everybody's speaking different languages, which is quite funny. How is he going to learn all these languages? Oh, well, everyone just wears his device, so it's all you know, whatever. Yeah, very Star Trek. Yeah, it's very, it's 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 brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's it's great use of script logic, you know. Yeah. So he so, gets up there, yeah, and he's got to fight this war against the uh, the Kodan Armada. Yeah. So I mean, we talked a little bit about these kinds of movies when we did a cast on Flight of the Navigator, like this kid, like kid on an adventure type thing. Now, obviously, Alex is a little bit older. But he's still a high, he's a high school student. I mean, he's looking to go off to college. I mean, yeah. we find out that he's a senior, I guess. you know, part of it is also like we find out before all this happens that like his uh, his goal to to go to the school. He's like that's when he he needs a, a loan. He was dogging and, those guys like I'm not going to your community college. I'm going to do something big. And then the next scene is like you know yeah he got the, the, the finds out that his loan didn't go through. So he's not even going to get to go to the college he wants. He's going to have to go to the community college or city college. He doesn't want to go to with yeah, these yeah. schmucks. So, I mean, it's like taking this guy, I mean, it's such, I mean, it's, it's, it's cliche, but it's such a beautiful device of like, he just wants to get out of this. Yeah. And, and almost like Preston knows that because uh, yeah. Preston says to him like, you know what, you got to, you know, you got to, what are you going to do the rest of your life? And then at the end of the movie, one of the last times he sees Preston, he, that beautiful line that Preston says, and I hope I'm saying it right, where he goes, if that's all you think you're, you are, then that's all you're going to be. Yeah, and yeah. that's like a fucking like karate kid line. You know, that's like a line you put on a shirt, you know. Because there's also, like, that comes after, like, there's this great moment where Alex is along for this ride. You know, he goes and he he sits down. and <laughs> That's so much something he signed up for. Again, the, snow, the snake oil salesman of yeah. Preston, you know. You know, and then he goes and he gets his, like, his uniform and he's sitting down and he has, like, a little altercation with uh, one of the aliens because he stepped on, like, his tentacle toe or whatever. And uh, he's sitting there, and then he gets, like, briefed as to what's going on. Because at this point, he's just like, I don't know, what the, what the hell's happening? So he finds out about this intergalactic war. 
and that one of the spies was tortured and killed, which That's is another... Another, sp- yeah, the, 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 we, we get introduced to the bad guy, you know, all of a sudden, like, you know, it's like... Instead a very of Com- Wizard of Oz, like, floating yeah. head. Instead of, like, him, like, in Star Trek, you have them take over, like, the, the, the display screen, and this, he just shows up, like, Wizard of Oz, and he's like, you know, uh, I know what you're up to, you sons of bitches. <laughs> Giant and the, holographic head. Yeah, and he's just like, we room. found your spy, and they melt the spy's head on camera, which is, disgu- it's very Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it's, yeah. it's frightening, and it's... Another thing that scared me in this, too, is, you know, when they're on their way to the space station and Robert Preston, he has his handkerchief. He takes the, the, the oh, human yeah, mask yeah. off and uh, what's his face is in the back, like in like the hermetically sealed, you know, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. he can it's breathe like in a taxi. Yeah. And he's <laughs> like, he's like, and then he turns around and he's got his face off and that scared the shit out of me, too. That yeah, is. Yeah. And then he puts his eyes and his face back on and he just does something with the handkerchief and he's yeah. fine. So there's all these elements in the movie that are terrifying. The, the plot is, is like, uh, surprisingly, like, not maybe not the plot, but, like, the way the plot points kind of uh, progress. Or progress is, like, yeah, but it's also, like, it's a little more complicated than just, like, straightforward. Like, there's a, there's a great moment where, like, a lot of movies might have not have done where... Alex is like, no, yeah, like, are you crazy? What the shit? Like, I'm this kid. This is I'm much this- like when, I, when we did Remo Williams the podcast, where I'm like, you know, they're like, we've 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 taken your identity, we fixed your face. It's very much like Michael Knight, and we're gonna give you're gonna become an assassin. And like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to like, go wait, along wait, with what? This. Like, how did that happen? You've killed my identity and you fixed my face now, and I look like freaking David Hasselhoff, <laughs> a young Ray- Richard Basehart. No, so there is this moment where like Alex is like, no, I'm not doing this. Like, are you crazy? And like, they can't force him. They're like, fine, we're gonna. We're gonna send you back down, and that this is where so, yeah, Preston yeah, has. Yeah, so this. Centauri brings him back, and he's all pissed off. He's like, he's not gonna get paid, and he's like, yeah, you know. Yeah. But he, you could see that he's kind of admirable, where he's like, you know, there, there is a future cause to this. And Alex is like, I, you know, like I'm just this kid from a trailer park. Like I can't do this. And that's when Centauri gives that line, which is like, well, if that's if that if that's what you think you are, then you're, you're never. That's all yeah. what you'll always be. Confucius couldn't. Which say is it like a slap in the face, knowing that like, that's all. Alex wants to escape from, yeah. you know, like his whole lot in life is yeah. to to get out and and be somebody and do something. With yeah, his like life. Preston's saying. <laughs> Well, that's like leading up to that line. Preston's like, you know, he gives like three Earth examples. If, uh, you know, if Columbus didn't leave, you think they would have discovered America? And he says something else. And he says something that's completely foreign. And he's like, what? He's like, he just throws his hands up. Never mind. (laughs) And then he walks around (laughs) to the car and he like pokes his head out and he delivers that line. Because then now, okay, so you have this weird device where like now Alex needs to be convinced. Yeah. So he goes home and then there's like the kind of stuff with the beta unit. Beta Max. <laughs> with the beta max. And uh they have their split screen scene and and then there's like an assassin. Well then it gets a little convoluted. But, it, but it's it's good. Uh it it works for it. Evidently after they stopped shooting, they had to go back and they had to shoot the scenes with, with Lance Guest who plays, of course, Alex Rogan's character. They had to shoot the scenes of him playing the Beta Max guy. But evidently he had already cut his hair. And for, he was, for another movie. Yeah, and he was really sick at the time, under weather for something. So uh, he's wearing a wig playing the reverse, the split screen of the Betamax. And I think it works because it looks like it's fake. Well, I guess you wouldn't really notice if you didn't know that it's fake. Yeah, but yeah. if you know it's fake, it kind of works because, oh, because it's a robot. Yeah, I mean, there are some scenes where you're like, that's clearly Yeah, like where they're in the back of the pickup truck and it's like, <laughs> you know, and it's like clearly on his hair. Um, but what happens is the, the bad guys, who I freaking love as yeah, well, yeah. The, the, you know, they don't explain the bad guys too much, but they give you just enough to make them really juicy where you have this whole, like, kind of 
Shakespearean thing going on where you have the, the Kodan and the evil armada. So basically, we have our, I don't know if it's even a universe, it's like our whole galaxy's surrounded in this sphere that's protected almost by these, by this, say, uh, 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 invisible kind of like a, uh, uh, I don't know what you call that, like a... Uh, uh, force fields. Yeah, yeah. It's called and, the frontier or something. And outside of it, you have like the very scary, uh, very much like Battlestar Galactica, uh, those robot guys from Battlestar Galactica, like, you know, those, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the, you know, but they're like lizards and stuff. Who knows what's out there? And they're trying to get in to take over for whatever reason. And uh, we have the head of this, this, um, this federation or whatever you want to call it. Uh, who's like the chancellor or whatever, the ambassador. His son, uh, of course, very much in the Shakespearean way, has deflected and gone and now is with these monsters, the Kodan, giving them the secrets. And that's how they found out, I'm sure, the spy and all that kind of a thing. So he's there, and there's very much like this great scene where he's with the bad guy, um, the the uh, the head of the the Kodan, who are they're really just like letting they're like you know they're really just uh, letting him do his own thing, and you could tell they're just really like humoring him, yeah, like we're yeah. gonna kill him whenever, and it's so cool how they do that. But he must be giving because we find out later on because as soon as Alex leaves with um, with Centuri. To go back, Centauri, to go back to Earth, there's a surprise attack on the, on the outpost, and almost everyone's killed at the outpost. And all the starfighters are destroyed except for like one. And I think Craig got off with one and, and he comes back. And um, there was a, a spy there, and he must have been, he's like a freaking suicide bomber, because I don't see how he got off. Yeah. He plants some C4, which disables their weaponry, their defenses, and that's how the, 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 the missiles that were shot in uh, were able to destroy the. Uh, the freaking outpost. So, this guy who must be the uh, the son who's now working with the, the the Kodan must have gotten the information about this starfighter. So, because of that, the the Kodan send uh, freaking intergalactic fucking bounty hunters <laughs> called yeah, the Zan yeah. the Xanozans, which again another freaky freaky great plot twist. They have yeah. these bounty hunters come down, and I guess it must have been something built into the game because when the bounty hunter gets off, he's he's hitchhiking and he just looks like he, yeah. he basically looks like John Saxon with a mustache. <laughs> you know, yeah, the, yeah. the actor he gets off of a truck or whatever. He's like, see you later. You know, the truck leaves. He walks by the machine, and the machine must like, have something in. Yeah. To, like recognize them and like scrambles whatever signals disguising him. Yeah, he does disguising him. So now he his his face is revealed as the alien he Which is. is very like sloth meets Admiral Akbar. Yeah. Cross. Very <laughs> freaky. Eyes are very low, mouths very high on the face. You know, it's it's freaky as all hell. So he's out to kill uh freaking our our Alex. Our yeah. Alex. And uh you know then uh, what's his face once they have the first uh a showdown and you know what's his face gets shot um uh centauri he says like more and more are going to be coming you know because they know where you live now so you're kind of yeah. he's almost a lot centauri. yeah <laughs> you're kind of forcing my hand now where he's like you know now i'm kind of screwed i have to do this either way so and then uh, again the the xanozan sends another bounty hunter and it's great he he, he assumes the role of as a, as a cop and that's a very freaky scene where he's in the backseat of the cop car and he kind of yeah, shapeshifts yeah. into the police officer and it becomes like very Terminator. Yeah. You know? The idea of the beta, this, this Betamax is, uh, you know, that it's an interesting, it's an interesting device that helps it, helps the movie get away from like the Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, story and, you know, the, the comparisons. Like, obviously, you can't have this movie without comparing it to Star Wars. But... We have like this little subplot going on of like this, uh, you know, this 
this robot that looks like our main character assuming the life on 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 earth so that nobody knows that he's gone it's kind of, it's an interesting little device and it's um it does kind of make the movie unique well it's funny that also that the 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 beta unit the beta max also has a kind of a mind of its own yeah but i mean he's he's completely you know he's he's 100% you know going along with what his mission is but he's kind of like he's like well i'm He's his own entity. He's not kind of like a just a robot. Like, hello, my name is Alex. <laughs> yeah, He's yeah. like, no, dude, I'm here to help you, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you gotta, you gotta go on. And there's like a lot do. of comic relief involving the, the little brother. He's yeah, like a precocious little boy. And yeah, he's he, and and. He's and I guess evidently um, Will Wheaton showed up too. He's he plays like I think a friend of the little brothers, um, and I don't know if he's credited or I don't I don't think I saw him. But yeah. they say a lot of uh, trivia says Will Wheaton was in the movie at some point, maybe as a friend or whatever. Again, uh, back to the weird eighties uh, themes that we still can't explain to this day. You have that whole subplot of like the little brothers has a evidently. I thought he was looking for his brother's yeah. Playboy stash, but you find out it's his own. <laughs> He's got his own subscription yeah, yeah. to Playboy. You kind of assume he's got like he's, yeah, he's under got, the bed, under the under the mattress. He's got a bunch of Playboys. And he's like, "Where's June?" He's looking for the June <laughs> issue, and you do know, you do assume that they're Alex's. But then later on, when when Alex he's is, like, I want to tell Mom where your Playboy collection is. Yeah, where your subscription is when he's fighting with the Beta Unit. So it's funny that you have that '80s thing of like the the eight, seven, eight, nine year old looking at porn, and he's like, "Nice," he's like you know, yeah, at the fold yeah. out. That's a, that is like a very '80s. You know, we've t- very eighties thing. We've covered that a lot on the cast. So then he has to go back. Uh, what's his face? And then in the first exchange with the Xanozan bounty hunter, uh, Preston gets shot, and it's real. It's real. I remember crying at this. It's real sad. He's like, I'm fine, of course. He's got a gut shot. He gets him in the car. He brings him back. They find find out the base is destroyed, but uh, Craig is still alive with the with the one uh, starfighter, the, the prototype that. That has some like freaking. They built some. You mean um, the, gu- the gun, the gun machine? Yeah, the, not the starfighter. The, I'm sorry, the gun Alex, star. Alex is the last. Star yeah, he's fighter. he turns out to be the last starfighter, and the, he has. There's one gun star left. The, the spaceship that they, the prototype that has some extra freaking uh, armor yeah, on it. No other, the, uh, <laughs> no, no other of the star, the gun stars had extra armor on. It could take a couple hits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the other ones were made out of paper mache. Yeah. So it's, you know, Preston also gets has some, the device. The you know, oh, it has the it has the death blossom, the death blossom, which, which, the DB, which when they're talking about it, like it reminds me of uh, Galaxy Quest. Like there, there's the, I wish I could remember what it is now. Because now oh, the I joke, forget. that's another great. Now the to, joke doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there's something else they have that you never, you can never use. Only like in the last segment. But so Preston gets him back to the to what's left of the star base, and he ends up we think dying, yeah. which is real sad. You know, he gets, he has a real great death scene as well as this is Preston's last movie because he died like I think two or three years later in real life. So it's real sad. Oh, Preston's like, he, oh, he is an admirable character. He is, you know, under, there is a heart of gold there. He, he does, it's not just about the money to him. And then Craig's like, hey, man, you got to help us, you know, let's let's do this. And then Alex is like, okay. And then he kind of, again, <laughs> force, right. he forces Alex's hand. He gets him like, he, they get into the ship, they take off, and he purposely gets him into a battle. And Alex's like, you're an idiot. Like, we could have died. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. I'm from Earth. And, you're, and he's like, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, there's like a learning curve. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is where it becomes a big effects movie. Yeah, because then this is where all that CGI from from our computer from now, our Craig back X then MP you imagine like now you could 
you could do these you could you could do these effects like on on your like phone almost nowadays well how it looks yeah yeah, yeah. but back then it was like they had rooms full of machines yeah they you had know? a supercomputer doing this freaking thing it was it was it was a huge thing they you know it was they had 300 scenes containing computer graphic each frame of animation contained an average of 250,000 polygons and had a resolution of 3000 times 5036 bit pixels and uh, let's see, digital productions estimated that using the animation required only half the time and one half of the third of the cost of traditional special effects. The result was $14 million, yeah, a cost of $14 million. Uh, yeah, so. My point is only that, like, you, you know, you can, just imagine, like, nowadays. The sure, memory. <laughs> yeah, like, the amount of memory, the speed. I mean, we're, to- we're literally talking about rooms full of computers yeah. to do these effects. That you now is on, like, a, on your phone. Like. Yeah, huge Just units, big stacks, big you know, racks. <laughs> the spinning wheels and, and shit. And all those fans, <laughs> super cooling fans keeping the thing cool. You know, we're talking about, like, you do, you do like, three seconds, uh, you do, like, a five-second shot or something. And we're talking about, you, they probably had to render that thing for five days before yeah. they could even see it. Yeah, it's amazing. And then if they had to make a change. Like, again, this is all crazy. that time involved. And unfortunately, you know, the, the effects ended up uh, being... You know, weren't as good as they could have been. The, like the, but I think they're completely Ron, suitable. But, but Ron, but Ron Cobb talks about like you know the one of their big disappointments was was like the landscapes. Yeah, look, you know he 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 says they look like melting melting ice cream. Um, apparently, they actually did some renders where like the landscapes looked really great, yeah. but it but to do all of it, it would have taken too long, and they would have went over schedule. So they had to take out a bunch of the information and the detail from like the rock. And stuff just so that they could meet their deadline. So you can like imagine like with more time like what the movie could have been because there, I mean yeah it looks very it looks very dated the effects. Yeah, but I but think at the are, time but there are times where like you like it looks pretty cool. I, th- I I think it perfectly worked. I mean you know some people were, were use the the, f- the the nice terms as like wonky effects or you know or they look like you said dated. But I think within the context of the movie they're perfectly fine and um you know. They used there's a lot of the explosions you, you see when stuff blows up that look very reminiscent, and you find out that um, the John Dykstra, who, who invented the Dy- Dykstra Flex, who Spielberg used and kind of created the whole new technology for Star Wars, he gave uh, the digital productions a lot of that explosion yeah, footage. Yeah. And then I mean, digital productions ended up doing they did this the, the uh, CGI sequence for Labyrinth, which was like the next year, or the year after they did test footage for Dune, and then they ended up being uh, bought over by Omnibus Computer Graphics, and they were absorbed into other firms, and they ended up going on to do stuff like Terminator, Jurassic Park, Men in Black yeah. as a other conglomerate. So they went on to do some pretty cool stuff. But this really was the foundation of CGI that we know today that we see that it, like yeah. anything that like from just Jurassic just World imagine, or whatever. Just imagine, like... It's, this is where it all started. The, yeah, like, d- embarking on this adventure of your own as a filmmaker and as special effects guys and stuff. Like, this has never been done before. Yeah. They were like, let's do like, all this miniature could, work. Like, this no. could be amazing, or this it could, could be real, a flop. This could, this could really suck. And I think it, it, it I think it pays off. I don't think it really, you know, it, I don't think it really, the, shoot, the other shoe didn't drop, and it, it wasn't like it, shit. D- it definitely gives the movie its own identity in yeah. terms of the way it looks. 
you know, the, we could go on about the plot, but the plot is pretty, at this point, spoiler alert, what you would expect. Yeah. You know, he goes, they save fight, the they, save, the galaxy. they save the world. You know, unlike the last, unlike Flight of the Navigator, we're ha- we do have a situation where, like, the fate of of everything we know is laying in the hands of this this guy, this kid from from a trailer park. You know, everything... You know, he's going to not save the world. He's going to save, like, the universe, the galaxy or whatever. Yeah, he goes off at the end with his girl. His girl decides to go with him. And they end on this really cool image of his his, his brother, little Lewis, getting up yeah. and getting a little, like, bench to get up to behind enough. And he's going to start training now on the Starfighter yeah. game. So it's like you can see, like, a whole series of films or whatever. And even the, the writer said that he envisioned this as he wrote it as a trilogy, that it was yeah. going to be, like, a huge adventure. So, uh it's, it's mind blowing. Yeah, Alex saves saves that there's this huge celebration. He decides he's going to go home. He wants to say goodbye, and he wants to bring Maggie with it. There's been this p- little bit of a plot where she's even hesitant to go to college, away to college with him. She's afraid to leave home. And Grandma, that, that's her. That's her excuse. What about Grandma? Well, he's like, well, Grandma ain't gonna be around forever. <laughs> Come on, honey. Like, wait a minute, look at her. Yeah, look at her. He you know, and then, then Grandma's like, he's got a point. <laughs> Another year too tough. <laughs> Come on. I don't want to be a burden. You know. That's real mean. Uh, but the, so it's like, so then that's how it plays out. But this, but uh, talking about like some of the schmaltzy moments where like he's up in the gun, f- in the gun, f- the gun. What's the name of the ship again? Uh, Gunstar. The Gunstar. And then there's the big scene with the, the beta backs and the, and the, the new assassin and there's that explosion and then there's like this little emotional connection where he does something. He looks at the picture or something, looks at her and then she looks up the sky. She's like, I love you, Alex. Oh, I know. It's like, so the wind starts moving <laughs> and she turns around. Yeah. The Betamax sacrifices himself because the, the new uh, bounty hunter is trying to get an SOS out like, cause yeah. they don't have cell phones yet. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he gets back to his ship to be like the, you know, it's like almost like, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be racist, but if you look at uh, Blazing Saddles, it's like the sheriff is, ne- oh, the sheriff's near. You know, it's like <laughs> it only he only gets off like the last starfighter is, yeah, yeah. and then that asshole who's the son who's with the bad Dakota. He's, and he's dead. Like, he's is, dead. Is of course dead. he's dead. <laughs> and then the other two are looking at each other like, when are we going to be able to kill this son of a bitch? <laughs> um, I love when they're when they're in the when they're when they're, <laughs> they're having that moment when they're looking at the pictures and basically, uh, Craig has just like a, he has like a digital photo yeah, that he yeah. just basically has like a, like a little like flash drive like oh look yeah, yeah. and then I think that's what he uses at the end remember when they they use the death blossom and they completely run out of battery he's like shit so like he plugs in the battery from his digital photos and he's like I've free powered <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> he uses the battery because exactly like, you see on, he's man. got something that small I think he just I mean, that was fully charged he plugged it in it's like I gave it a boost or a jump yeah yeah you know great stuff great a lot of fun uh, very nostalgic movie and it, go, um, and it, and it flies it really you know it's only like just over an hour and a half but there's not a dull moment it really gets you going and it's moving it's not like there's like sappy scenes where you're like uh they're gonna have a you know it's it's everything's going you know um great piano hurley he's great in it yeah robert preston great in it um Catherine Mary Stewart. I mean, like you couldn't have like a better girl next door, like lovable. <laughs> yeah, she's female c- character. Uh, Everybody's good. She's kind of perfectly cast. I'm I'm a huge Lance Guest fan. Yeah. Um, Halloween two is is uh, uh, one of my all time favorites. Um, he's in Jaws four. Oh wow, he is. And um, the Revenge. Uh, and I and I have a Lance Guest story. You do. Do we have time? We have time. <laughs> so uh, there was a period there where he must have been living in my neighborhood for some reason. 
because I would see him all the time. In New York City. Yeah, yeah. Not up in Albany. <laughs> no, no. Here in New York City. Um, he would always be hanging outside of this, this bar uh, near the old Troma, where Troma was. We, oh, were, talking about, we were talking about Troma. A couple a, casts a, ago. In a previous cast. And my, and my, four, my five days of working at Troma. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was that for? Zombie? What cast was that for? I don't remember. Anyway, we digress. What was oh uh, Fantastic Four? We're yes, talking about Roger f- yeah. Corman. Fantastic Four. Um, and he would always be standing outside of this bar, like having a cigarette. And I would just run into him in like weird places. This has happened a few times in this neighborhood over the m- decade or so. I've been kind of hanging Hell's out Kitchen. in this neighborhood. Um, the guy from Gremlins, I used to run into him all the time. The lead, the lead guy, yeah. Zach, something or other. Uh, the guy that played Horshack, not Zach, the Lego maniac. <laughs> Who uh, Horshack passed away? Uh, oh, really? Yeah, he, he he passed away a couple of years ago. I used to see him all the time. Well, that's why you don't see him anymore. That's so mean. I'm sorry. In, uh, <laughs> in, so there's always like these weird things happen, and because maybe they're doing plays in the in the city or whatever, and this is where they're. Anyway, so I used to run into Lance guests all the time, and I see people in the city walking around, you know, frequently. Yeah. Like celebrities, and I never, ever, ever say anything to them. I never bother them, even if it's like I see Ethan Embry, and I'm like, yeah, I should have said, hey, big fan, you know? Because how many times do Ethan Embry hear that? I love you in freaking what's your name, <laughs> uh, Duke or not Duke? Um, I love Dutch, Dutch, Dutch. I love you know. I'm I loved your re- Dragnet 2000, uh, 2003 Dragnet. <laughs> big Ethan Embry fan yeah. here. Now he's on this commercial with uh, yeah, Christy Brinkley. But um, so I make the, I make this decision that. You know what? I keep seeing Lance Lance Guest. Next time I see Lance Guest, I'm gonna say, "Big fan, like big fan of your work," and that that'll be it. Like I don't want to bother him, but I'm gonna tell him big fan. So, I uh, late one night, I'm in a Dwayne Reed, which is a pharmacy, CVS type pharmacy here in the city, because somebody, a friend of mine, is sick, and I and I, I went to the the pharmacy to get them some medicine. So I'm walking through the eyes and I'm looking for what I, the things I need to pick up. And Lance guest walks in and he walks. I'm like, I'm in the aisle, like looking at one side of the aisle and he walks and he's behind me looking at the other side of the same aisle. He's like, if I take a step back, like our backs would touch. And I'm thinking, man, this is my chance. I'm going to say, I'm going to say something to Lance guest. So I do a turn, I go to turn around and to face him. And as I'm turning around, I'm look I realize he's looking he's looking at the con he's p- looking at condoms. <laughs> he's picking a- <laughs> he's, buying- <laughs> he's buying condoms. He's at the condom aisle. <laughs> I'm standing looking at the other side of behind me is the condom aisle. And so as I'm looking around, he's like looking at condoms and he's picking up like a box of condoms from the thing. So I just keep turning. I just like I'm full circle. Like I just keep going and walk the other door and like walk down the other end of the aisle because I was like, that's going to be just awkward. <laughs> Did you end up saying it? I didn't say anything. Because was that the last time you seen him? <laughs> and then I think he kind of realized that I knew who he was because then he like kind of hightailed it out of the store. Like he went up, paid real quick and got out. Shit, this guy's after me. Um, but I was finally going to say something and then I was like, him it's too awkward. picking condoms off, off the aisle is going to just be an awkward exchange now and I don't want to be... <laughs> 
That happens a lot. You have these awkward <laughs> moments. It's like you don't know what to do. I mean, I walked into a green room. Uh, Ron Jeremy was on, and you know the, the porn actor Ron Jeremy. Yeah. It was Christmas time, and he was on a show. I was like, I want to go say hi to him and tell him I'm a big fan of his. Maybe get a picture. I walk in, and he's watching on television on the in the green room on TV. Uh, Charlie Brown's Christmas, and I'm like. <laughs> Christmas time is here and I'm like oh excuse me hi <laughs> I'm a big fan so it's like, yeah that's great so you never get to see him so, and, and then I never then I don't think I ever saw him again and how long ago was that two years ago oh okay I am thinking you're ten, this is ten years ago no no this oh. was like two years ago and then that was the last time I saw him wow well hopefully you'll see him again or he'll hear this cast and be like hey <laughs> Blake I want to tell you got lucky that yeah. night it's great it's <laughs> oh, horrible I didn't he was in a rush it was horrible he had, he had somebody waiting for him I'm it was sure. hope so what and, did uh, so what did you think of the movie this movie you know this is it's a weird movie because it's not a movie that like uh, until recently like I haven't Really, it's a movie that like I always remembered, yeah, being existing, but it wasn't like, oh, it's my favorite movie of all time forever, and I, you know, like, uh, but it's a movie that I've I've grown to love within the last five, six, maybe yeah. ten years, um, because I remembered it, and so watching again does become very nostalgic. I love this movie. I love the sh- some of the schmaltzy moments in it. I think it I, works, I love yeah. its tone of being like a little bit lighter. I love when it gets kind of messed up. It's kind of messed up. Freaky. Big Lance guest fan. I think Greg is great. I think the makeup effects are cool. They're really good. They all hold up. I wouldn't say there's not one bad makeup effect in the movie. It's it's just a little... It's like a beautiful little... Yeah. Nugget of mid '80s, <laughs> and it seems like it's it's very influential. I mean, it could be up there with like how Star Wars was influential, but for different reasons. But it's there yeah. for people who are in the know or into this kind of genre. This seems like a huge like stepping point in the history of either CGI or yeah. these kind of films, the sci-fi film, '80s films. Well, S- Star Wars was so big, and then had the sequels, and then it had the reissues, and then it had the new sequels, and now it's got a new movie coming. It's like Star Wars is like so. So timeless yeah. in a way because it's so huge. Whereas like this is like a perfect little time capsule, like 1984. You I got know. the arcade game, you get uh, aspect park, of it. The whole you got <laughs> you got the Lance Guest. You got the you know you got the effects. The got, car, the DeLorean s kind of Goldwing car. You, you know you got the primitive CGI, which is like very video game. As, which is one of the reasons why I feel like the the effects work is because we're kind of in this world of a video game. You yeah, know? not literally like Tron but it's playing off of all that yeah. um, I, I love it I don't like wh- like what could you criticize about it really like get, unless yeah. you really want to get into like be an asshole and like yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure if you that. really wanted to get into like the nitty gritty about some things you could find flaws with it but I mean like it's a perfect sleepover movie yeah. I mean I, I grew up watching this I had the the storybook um, uh, for people in the know out there uh, the Alan Dean Foster did the novelization, yeah. uh, and he's a huge guy who's a sci-fi writer and does big novelizations. He did the Black Hole novelization. Yeah, yeah. He did a lot of the Transformers novelizations. We're a big, we're a big fan of talking about novelizations yeah. on this show. And uh, Al- Alan Dean Foster did this novelization, as well as he did the storybook novelization, which I had, which is much like the Black Hole storybook you gave me, yeah, yeah. where it's just, um, you know, it's a big old... Like 8 12, by 10. 12 pages. Yeah, and you open it up, <laughs> and it's all, it's all like photos from the movie, you know, 
beautiful, crisp photos from the movie. So I had that all my life. And then, of course, when I went to go look for it to show you, I can't find it. I'm like, where the hell? So who knows <laughs> yeah. if somebody took it five years ago and I've never seen it again. Yeah, but yeah. So I've always, like you, I've, this and is Marvel always... did some comics. Yeah, they did some comics for it and stuff like that. But it never really went anywhere. And I love it. I give it five out of five or four out of five, four point five out of five, five out of five sleepover stars. Yeah. You, you I'd say it's the same. Yeah. Caffeine colas. Maybe four and a half. Yeah. Uh, five. Four sleepover and a half. caffeine colas. Uh, so I think it's great. And it's for years. People have been like, hey, let's let's remake the damn thing. And uh, for some reason, because it, it wasn't an original property, like it wasn't based off a comic book or it wasn't a toy or it wasn't owned by like a Marvel and it wasn't some sort of like back character that now is owned by Disney. People have been trying to figure out how to, to, to remake it. And I guess there's, there's huge fans out there of the film where you have, like, Seth Rogen loves the movie, tried to acquire the rights. There's rumors that, um, that uh, Steven Spielberg was trying to get the rights to it. Yeah. Uh, the guy, uh, who, the screenwriter who ended up writing um, Book of Eli, he's a huge fan of it. Uh, I think his name is Edgar Wright. He's trying oh, to get Edgar Wright. He, yeah, he did Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, and, and, and Book of Eli. I think he did the screenplay for it. Uh, he. I don't think so. No, Edgar Wright is the guy who directed Spaced and maybe then Shaun I'm of thinking the of uh, Gary Whitta. Maybe maybe. He, maybe he. That's the gentleman who did um, uh, the uh, Book of Eli. Anyway. There's huge people out there who've been trying to acquire the rights, and it's been this jumbled. Well, it's a great idea. I mean, because you you take the the kid and the kid on an adventure story, but you also got like the test of the video game, which means like any of us could be the, ne- the yeah. next. It's star basically fighter, that. That's it gives you, know? you that, and then it ends with the little kid who's like getting on, like yeah. I'm going to try to be the next starfighter, which is like a brilliant kind of concept. But the problem with it is. Because of uh, Laramir, who only really did like TV, they yeah. did like uh, Dallas and um, I think Lorimer. Yeah, Lorimer. I'm sorry. Yeah. They did uh, like w- the Waltons and maybe like Full House. They were eaten up by like yeah. Warner Brothers and like uh, you know like Perfect Strangers. Yeah, like, a lot of television properties. So you you have that. Evidently, the the rumor on the street is that Universal, who put the movie out originally, owns the home video and the domestic distribution rights. But then since Lorimer was eaten by Warner, Warner owns then the uh, international distribution rights. And then the writer of this owns the sequel rights, which is evidently a a whole other thing. So it's been mired for so many years and people have been trying to get this thing off the ground that, that the, the rights are everywhere. And that's the urban legend. So you, you, you hear now talking as of this year, uh, July of this year, we have Variety reporting, uh, and I found this on ComingSoon.net that they're saying that there's going to be a television show called The Starfighter Chronicles. That they're going to the original writer is trying to redevelop it. Then they said that from Variety that The Starfighter Chronicles will drop the film's video game recruitment angle and will instead focus on the intergalactic law enforcement presumably on the part of the Star League, which I guess the Star League is that yeah. the whole league. So, so there's going to be <laughs> a kind of so a So we're going to make a show that really has nothing to do with the plot. Yeah, <laughs> of, 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 the, of the Starfighter, which I, you think that the angle would be a little more, you know, yeah. it, it beckons for further any kind of either like a, a TV show or a subsequential yeah, yeah. HBO show. So but at least the writer is still attached and he's going to do the property. But let's hope it's, it's good and it's not so far enough removed where people are like, what the hell is this shit? <laughs> yeah, Speaking yeah. of which... Uh, we have another from uh, a couple 
weeks ago we did the Warriors, and the Warriors we had the what the shit in it, and again your line what the shit shows what the kid <laughs> says what the shit, and it's like oh there it is again. I've only ever heard Blake say that line aside from the Warriors, and I remember now the kid says the what the shit line. There you go. That's it's our second. It's becoming a. Uh, it's a fad. A sleepover uh, favorite. favorite. What the shit. So I think it was a great movie, great sleepover movie. I I fully recommend it to hopefully people who have seen it. Or haven't seen it, I mean. If you haven't seen it, I mean, come on. What yeah. are you waiting for? Yeah, well, yeah you, <laughs> wait, you waited through this whole cast to hear us. So, uh, all right. Check us out on uh, Facebook. Check us out on iTunes. Yeah. Check us out on Podroid. Check us out on Player S- FM. At Player FM or on Stitcher. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. Review the show on Stitcher and and iTunes. You can f- Follow, find us obviously on our website. Yeah, uh, s- uh, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, which is Saturday, Saturday Sleepovers at podwits.com. You can listen on the site. There's a little you can there's a little player, or you can download yeah, it. Yeah, so you can stream it on Saturday Sleepovers podwits.com. Uh, and it's always free. It's always free. You never have to pay a dime unless you want them. But no, no, <laughs> we don't. We, we take unless suggestions. You send us yeah. a check. Yeah, send us a, send us a blank check. That'll be great. We, you can you can finance our further sleepover <laughs> as, pizzas, sodas. As as we've said, if you for some reason you can't get you're having trouble with the internet, you know, if you can at least send us an email, we'll, we'll burn them on the disc yeah, for yeah, you. We'll, we'll send you a disc of, of, of whatever particular, not all of them, because that'll get pretty. Uh, we'll put them on a cassette. Yeah, we'll send them on a long a long playing cassette. Uh, you'll have to flip over halfway through, so we'll give you like beep. <laughs> um, it, it, it's check us also out. We're at podwits.com. We're uh, Blake and I do a sidecast where we get into a lot of this stuff. Uh, we're soon to be on um, YouTube. We'll have a channel up there. Uh, Blake Worth, can they find you? you can find music wise. You can find me on uh, jblakeblues.com. Yes, and please, we love the interaction on Facebook. We yeah, yeah, we got a lot of uh, great back uh, and forth. A lot of banter. We get a lot of stuff. Um, please don't get it too heated. And uh, please keep it down to like some like just a real civil tone. So if you disagree with people about stuff, let's just keep it all very cordial. Because at the end of the day, we're all sleepover guys. <laughs> we're all you just know? having a nice sleep. Yeah, we're all sleeping over in the same. I believe you know, me. and we I, don't want to wake the parents. As a guy up. that's been in fights at sleepovers, it's it's never it's never a good thing. Yeah, but uh, you don't want to wake the parents. Uh, up. We've been getting a lot of requests, and we're gonna. We are doing a next. We're doing a request uh, coming up very soon. Coming up in the month of November, we were getting to a request. Which isn't that soon? But yeah, it's soon not enough, far. Considering that we only do two a month. Yeah, it's, it's anyway, pretty soon for us. Got big things. Got yeah, big and then plans. next month in October we have a we have a uh, a big thing coming up too. We're, we have plans. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll we'll be, hopefully we'll be able to follow through. Our next cast is going to be huge for us because it's our year anniversary. Oh yeah, so next year, next week is yeah, next, uh, next next cast. Is next cast, next sleepover is going to be big. So we're getting a lot of. We're going to get that. We're going to steal. I'm going to steal my parents' Costco card. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to go to Costco with my dad, and we're going to get a bunch of freaking... Uh, order a bucket of pizza. A bucket of pizza. Your, your bucket of pizza. We're going to get pizza. We're going to get some microwavable pretzels, maybe some Elio's, you know, some uh, some cheesy stuff. We'll get all kinds of sodas and candy. Oh, yeah. It's going to be an all-nighter. It's going to be an epic. We're, we're pulling an all-nighter. Yeah, we're going to have to really... Uh, schedule out some time to do that because that's going to be involved let's hope it doesn't I mean, make we, i wish we had the technology to do it live yeah which we do but it's just so hard for us to <laughs> you know call in yeah you know it's it's you could mean, be watching the movie with us hopefully you know we'll maybe we'll we'll get the time because we do have lives as well so it's not like we're you know we have other things we're doing so it's kind of hard to get us to like you know sit down and do live to the internet and all that kind of stuff with our own channel. One day. Yeah, one, one day. day. In the, in the foreseeable It becomes future. lucrative, maybe. Yeah. Someday. So uh, please check us out. Thank you very much. Share share us. Tell Pete, tell friends. Please interact. Share, Send us. share, share. Yeah. Uh, you know, check us out. We always put little 
uh, fun things up um, uh, every couple days or every day on the Facebook page. That's really fun. You can find us. And you can find us on Twitter, too. And uh, you can retweet us, favor us, and all kinds of good stuff. And even uh, tweet us at satsleepovers.com. Sat, oh, just at satsleepovers. So thank you very much. And we'll see you in two weeks. And just uh, remember, keep your, uh, keep your popcorn ready, your remote by your side. And uh, until next time, later. <laughs>